0: Welcome to For What It's Worth. There's your cookie. Have fun.
1: <laughs> An
2: introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Wisconsin, Texas. One thing about coming out to a convention on the East Coast.
0: That's not the East Coast. Minnesota is not the East Coast. Oh. Cheese. Pull that record. <laughs> We're done. Aboard. Speaking of cheese, here are your hosts, Rue and Tugs. I didn't even put it on here, but I know what's coming next. Do you?
2: Oh, yeah, I do.
0: I want a sandwich. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what, what type of cheese are you, Tugs?
0: The file is called mozzarella, so I'm assuming...
2: You're, you're a mozzarella? No. Um, I, think, I think I would be considered, because I'm a fox, I'd be called um, Swiss cheese, because I have so many holes.
0: You do have a lot of holes. <laughs> Welcome to For What It's Worth. This is Season 5, Episode 9. It's okay, because I'm not making money, right? Today's topic is copyright and the fandom, and before we introduce our guests, it's time for the part that you all hate, what we've been up to, our five minutes of BS. So, Rue, what have you been up to?
2: Well, I have been up to so many things. Let's see, let me look at my notes.
0: Let uh, I me mean, look at my notes. By the way, so, I'm Tugs and that's Rue. We should introduce ourselves every episode, you think?
2: Uh, I think that might be good. <laughs> we've never done it. So, really? What have you been up to? <laughs> We just assume that you know our voice by now. Yep. So, um, I've been playing Witcher Three. So it's I been saw Actually, that. pretty I fun. I saw
0: you playing that.
2: I've been uh, playing it way too much on, though. On the Pisson. Yeah, the Pisson, the Pissin the, the Pisson Four. Yeah. The,
0: no, no, the Pissin, the PlayStation Network.
2: Yep. Yeah. So it's it's actually a really really good game. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like Skyrim, where it's an open world, and um, if you haven't had a chance to play it, I highly recommend it. To try it. If you like Skyrim-type things. If you don't, then stay away from it. <laughs> stay away. Um, I've also been playing Mario Paper Jam. Mario and Luigi Paper um, Paper Jam. And it's actually sounds, a really, really fun it game. It sounds
0: aggravating, just the title. Like, when I first see Paper Jam, I'm like, no, done. I'm going to get toner all over my hands. I'm done.
2: <laughs> well, it's because you work in an office space, and so, therefore, you you get enough of Paper Jamming at your office that was a terrible joke it was so it's it's actually a really fun game um but you can cheat so badly with amiibos to where it's like
0: stop the plural of amiibo is amiibo
2: oh amiibo yes sorry
0: nintendo actually made a big deal about this so we must obey mario continue
2: (laughs) mario just slapped my hand um so yeah you can cheat by using an amiibo And it's like, all of a sudden, all the enemies get 30 damage just by you having an amiibo. (laughs) So, or you can get an item every single battle. So as long as you have like tons and tons of amiibos, you don't technically need to actually, amiibo, sorry. Um, You actually don't need to even really play the game. You can just walk around, get to an enemy, and then... Put your Amiibo on there and then, up. Oh, okay, on to the next thing. So, what
0: is a hot tubing? What's a hot tubing?
2: Oh, hot tubing? <laughs> the, what the, <laughs> the hot tubing? So, I've been hot tubbing.
0: Tubbing has two b's.
2: I know, I didn't put Here two b's. I'll
0: one for you. Beep.
2: Up. Oh, it's been fixed. Yeah, hot tubbing. The wonders of the internet. So, um, yeah, I've been hot tubbing a lot with a group of people. It's been actually kind of fun.
0: Where are you... You don't have a hot tub.
2: I don't have a hot tub. Where
0: is a hot tub? That... So, Does someone own a hot tub?
2: There is this hot tub place that I found in Salt Lake in which you can rent a room.
0: This sounds like a hotel.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can rent the the hot tub Wait, an hour.
0: Is it a, like a building that has rooms that you sleep in, which also happens to have a hot tub? Because no, that's don't... called a hotel. No,
2: you don't sleep in them. It's just the hot tub. That's it. This sounds like It's like $15 a head.
0: This sounds like a place to get head.
2: Okay, so tugs. <laughs> <laughs> ah, see.
0: Uh, so I went to FC um, for the first time in probably seven or eight FCs, because as you know, that's how we reckon time in the fandom. Um, I went to programming that wasn't mine, meaning for what it's worth live. I went to Nuka's panel, who was our last guest. That was a great panel. It was really, really, really good. Uh, if you didn't go, you missed out. And if you went because we tweeted and didn't say you went because for what it's worth sent you, you let me down because I was there. It was a good panel. Uh, we will have a copy of it online very soon if it's not up already. So you can check it out for yourself because I was actually quite emotionally moved by it. Um, that aside, though, uh, it was a good, good con. I mean, it's, it's FC. they in their attendance. I was going to say enrollment. Their attendance is down again. They're probably going to fall out of the top five this year. Uh, so.
2: BLFC is just taking it from them. Yeah, BLFC,
0: it's a combination of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, part of it, uh, ultimately, I think in the end, though, is they need to do something to freshen up the con. It hasn't really changed. And that's not a good thing. You have to do something to keep it fresh. That's hard. It's hard. Uh, I definitely know that. Uh, and it's just a challenge, and they've got to take it on.
2: Well, and take how many on. years have you been to attending this convention? Thirteen. Thirteen years. Of all
0: my friends, but one, I have the longest streak now. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. When are you going to go so we can do the show there?
2: <laughs> well, when are you going to go to BLFC? <laughs> well,
0: I, well, I'm not going this year because I have appointments with the mouse, Um, but I'll be at 17, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, well, have you s- been
2: playing anything lately? Uh,
0: skin flute, but nothing else.
2: So. Skin flute. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. I just saw that you marked that. Oh, yay! He's only half baked. It's Ruse Kooky time. All right, everybody, it is that time. So, what is today's cookie? Did
0: you have a cookie ready? You didn't have a cookie ready. Oh my god, you didn't have a cookie ready. Ah! Well, I'll make a cookie up today. What? He who go to bed with itchy bum, wake up with stinky... that's today's oh wait in cookie
2: okay here it is don't take my phone away okay that's today's fortune in in bed with a cookie yes okay that's your fun (laughs) all we gotta do is
0: whoa are you sure you know what you're doing
3: Did I hear you mike? Right? Did I hear you
4: saying that you're gonna make a copy of a game without paying? Come on, guys.
2: I thought you knew do better. Don't copy that, floppy. Uh, and the law. Lo- and what? the law. We have
0: Wow, where are you live from a restaurant? No. We have done the unthinkable and brought something that we are scared of on the show.
2: We brought the lawyers!
0: or the lawyer
2: the lawyer
3: <laughs> just one tonight fellow just
0: one we can only right, handle general. one just one what is the difference between an attorney and a lawyer damn it um,
3: in common uh, funny you should ask in common usage you know they're fairly interchangeable but in technical usage a lawyer is someone who is learned in the law studied the law you're technically a lawyer when you graduate law school an attorney. Is someone who's licensed to practice law.
0: So you're both?
3: I am both. In almost every state, I'm sure there might be exceptions. You know, catch me if you can, and all that kind of stuff, where you have to you have to have a law degree to sit for the bar in most places. Now granted again, there may be exceptions.
0: Now do you call it the bar because I heard this on the news today that a third of all practicing attorneys are alcoholics?
3: And that's just a third that goes to the meetings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, they really did. I, this came out on the news. I don't know if you heard this legitimately. The um, the American mm-hmm. Bar Association did a study, and one-third are alcoholics.
3: I have heard that. It is actually it, – it, it is a common um, – I don't, I don't want to say common practice because that's just wrong, but it is a common problem in this field where att- attorneys have a higher rate of alcoholism than depression –
0: well, I hope you have a nice drink. Um, water tonight, but yeah, <laughs> water. All right.
3: So, so, who are you?
2: Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Oh, okay. My, my name is Lee Gorlin. I am a I am an attorney in Nevada, living in Carson City. Um, I have studied a few, you know, different areas of law. The required required subjects such as contracts and criminal law, and then as far as personal interests, I've taken an interest into intellectual property laws, such as trademarks
0: and copyrights.
2: Sweet. So you know your stuff when it comes to copyright.
0: What's it like <laughs> living in Nevada? <laughs> you
3: no, know, that's a very loaded question because for the ma- for the past many many years, I lived in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is what you know I'd I like to believe most people think of when they think of Nevada. Um, and that can't be further from the truth. Las Vegas is kind of its own animal, and the rest of Nevada is very different. Uh, Northern Nevada, you, you trade in all the sand for rocks and snow.
0: I always like to think of Las Vegas as like a dusty pair of jeans. Or not Las Vegas, <laughs> but the rest of Nevada is a dusty pair of jeans, and Las Vegas is like an LED light bulb. <laughs> it's kind of, it is, no, but it makes sense if you've gone to both. That makes sense. Yeah, see? Meh.
2: Nah.
0: Oh. <laughs> Ruth's just giving me looks over here.
2: Ah, I'm just thinking about chocolate rain and you in Nevada. I'm
0: thinking That's of you it. asking this, the next question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, what is copyright? What would you say if, if you were to explain to a child what copyright means, what would you say?
3: Copyright is... Rights and privileges that that belong to an author of some sort of creative work that allows that author to control what happens with that artistic or creative.
0: How long has been around in the history of humanity? Ah, uh, you know, it's
3: as far the farthest back I've studied. Um, it began in England in, around seventeen oh nine, actually. And you know, like most of American law, it's you know, save for modern developments, it initiated with English common law. No, as far as, as far back as I know, early seventeen hundreds.
0: So, what what co- what form does copyright most often take place in in the United States then? Like what form? Yeah, how is it codified now?
3: Well. The majority of United States copyright law is in the Copyright Act, um, and that would be most – I want to say chapter – uh, you'll have to give me a second to look up the exact number. Oh, 17. Title 17 of the United States Code is most of the copyright laws in this country.
2: So let's see. Um, one of them that we have is um, Bernie, Bernie Convention.
3: Burn. The, the Burn Convention. The Burn Convention. The Bernie M- oh, Everybody. Oh my goodness.
2: Mac. Bernie Mac. Sorry. The Burn Convention. So um, it looks like that it's used most of the world that, that that's used.
3: The Burn Convention is, in a nutshell, and I'm not as well-versed on it as I'd like to be, it's a worldwide convention that nations may or may not subscribe to that tries to bring some sort of uniformity to copyright laws around the world. Um, parts of the Berne Convention have been codified into Title 17 of the United States Code.
0: So we're going to kind of ask you about each of the major ones that apply for the most part. Now, we know the audience out there. There are people who live in many, many places that have variances on copyright laws and because this is a short podcast, shortish, uh, we can't possibly get to every possible variant, so we're going to speak to just the major ones. We apologize if we missed the one that matters to you the most. Uh, All But the burn convention, just so everyone knows, most works are covered for a minimum of 50 years after the death of the author or the date of publication if the author isn't known. Uh, Fo-
2: the photos are 25 years after capture.
0: Movies are 50 years or 50 years after the first showing, whichever occurs later.
2: And it looks like that um, signatures can um, can set longer copyright terms if desired. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, the United States actually is life of the author plus seventy years now.
0: Now the the key thing actually I, wanna, here... oh, actually, I want to say yeah, go for it. Uh, give me one.
3: In 1976, it was life plus seventy. They may have extended that further, but I'll have to double check. No, no, it is life plus seventy. Yep, we're
0: good. Cool. <laughs> and the thing that's important here is that any country that has uh, is a signatory to the Bern Convention, the country where the work is created, the country that is recognizing the copyright recognizes the term of the country of origin. So let's say if, I don't know I don't, I don't know what it is in Spain, but let's say Spain is is life plus fifty, but it's life plus seventy because they're looking at a piece of work from the U.S. They would still recognize it as, recognize it as life plus seventy because it was created here. So that's the first piece, Rue. The second piece, if you please.
2: Uh, let's see. It's the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, and this is for the U.S. only.
0: All right, Ooh. Lee. Tell us about the DMCA.
3: The DMCA is something recent that um, it's law that was passed in in re- respecting new types of media, such as digital media. Um, Satellite television the internet specifically um, and they've changed some of the rules on how copyright and copyright infringement is enforced. One of the more common things under the DMCA is uh, the safe harbor provisions um, that's the thing that that go, that governs sites like YouTube where if you go on YouTube and see some, you know, see your work on YouTube that someone else put up there. You can't just sue YouTube. You have to file a DMCA notice with YouTube. YouTube will immediately take it down, and then the person that put it up has to go through the process to prove that it should that should be allowed to be put up. And that's why I call it a safe harbor. These companies like YouTube and eBay, you can't just instantly sue those companies for the acts of their users unless they knew about it or short ignored it
0: and it realistically it's impossible if you have let's say your facebook a billion users to police every user's actions it's just we don't have i mean the nsa can't even do that and they've got super so realistically but, that's not possible
3: but if someone posts your stuff on facebook and you tell facebook about it they have a duty to act
0: the other the other piece that we have in here is that copyright uh law was also changed Um, So that things like rooting, jailbreaking, um, encryption breakings, and things like that were considered generally illegal. However, um, the Librarian of Congress can declare exceptions. And I believe that rooting and jailbreaking were legal once more permanently because the librarian can make temporary exceptions, but they expire. But I know that something about rooting and jailbreaking was made permanent recently. Or disgust. It's it's not been forgotten, but I know that um like breaking your Blu-ray encryption, for instance, that would be considered illegal under the DMCA. So
3: yes, um, on the, that, that technically that'd be considered illegal under typical Title Seventeen copyright law. I mean, when you rent when you when you buy a Blu-ray, that's just a Blu-ray. You're buying you're buying that movie or video or whatever in that medium. When you take that and cha- and duplicate it into a different medium, such as digitally on your computer, that's an unauthorized duplication. Um, that's technically a copyright violation.
2: Well, that's something that I learned today. The more you know. Because you... when I was older, I mean, not when I was older, when I was younger, <laughs> wow. Benjamin Button ah. in studio tonight. Yeah, I'm all over the place. But um, yeah, when I was younger... I was like, "Oh well, I own these games on this, um, this ROM or whatever that I have um, for Nintendo or you know, like for instance, I had a, um, an emulator. and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh well, I own these games, and so therefore, you know, I have the right to have a digital copy of it." <laughs>
3: no nope. well, It's funny. Um, the answer is kind of maybe, and here's why. Like I said earlier, it is a rules of a copyright violation, it is an infringement. You're making an unauthorized duplication. However, there are certain defenses towards copyright violation claims, such as one you may have heard of called fair use. I'm not saying this qualifies as fair use. Fair use, and I'll explain what it is in just a moment, employs a number of factors that basically says, yeah, I did something I'm not normally supposed to do, but I'm allowed to do it because fair use. And what fair use does is it looks at how much of a copyrighted work you're, you're taking in the instance of copying an entire game. That's pretty bad because it's the entire work as opposed to just, you know, taking a picture of the screen or something. Um, but the good news is that one of the biggest factors in fair use is whether you're tapping into the copyright holder's market, whether you're causing them to lose sales. And if you copy a game you bought already just to have a backup on your own screen, you're probably not costing them any future sales because I can't – you'd go buy two copies of the same game anyway. Now, so – So I um, – so that you may be able to do something like that and and technically be considered fair use. Um, what I would say, and what I would say with anything, and I probably should have said this when we started the show is, in your own situation, if you if you don't know if it's fair use or not, if you if you don't know you're doing something right or wrong, you may want to consult with an attorney nearby. As opposed, to, I'm, don't take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. I don't know, you know, individual situations. See,
0: we told you he's a lawyer.
2: Yeah, in fact. <laughs> That is something that we neglected to say. Lee is not providing anyone specific legal advice.
0: That's right. He's not, people. Seriously. If you think you can get legal advice off of a file playing in your iPod, you've got problems. And we're not giving you real legal advice. There we go. There's the, there's the real truth. <laughs> um, you know, actually, I, I, because I know that um, case law is a small book. Um, I have, I was just Googling for it and I couldn't find it, but I, I know, cause I have read it several times. There was a Supreme court case that specifically dealt with ROMs and the Supreme court ruled and said, you can't back up ROMs. That's, that's not a legit backup. You don't need to back up video games. Like, Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I was really interested in that. I was like, really? Damn. Um, yeah. The Supreme I, Court said it. That
3: that's basically the authority, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, because that I, that was the school of thought. Uh, it, but they basically said it doesn't constitute reasonable backup because it was it wasn't intended to be backed up from the get-go. Like mm-hmm. it's not like a computer file or anything, you know. Like when you have a file on your computer, you don't get to back it backed up. But anyways, that's, well, this this has nothing but, to do with this.
2: But your save files, like let's say that you want to back those up.
0: Those yeah, those those are different because you have a copy function built into the game. Yeah. Anyway, the next law, um, possible law, we should say, is the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is extremely divisive right now and not quite law. Um, I don't know how much you know about that, Lee.
3: It's the- N- Not okay. a whole lot. Um, I know some people think it's really good and some people think it's really bad, and that's about all
0: I know about it. <laughs> right, Rui, what do you know about it?
2: Well, apparently it changes the copyright um, from life of the author um, plus 50 years to the life of the author plus 70 years.
0: And it changes copyright to 70 years from the original date of publication for corporate works. So that matches what the U.S. is doing, and that's not a big deal for people who live in the U.S. Um, But what I found out as I was doing the next point, which is just we kind of wanted to walk through the current copyright statutes, the limits... Um, Mm -hmm. Around the world, it's as you listen to these. It's actually a pretty significant increase for a lot of countries. So, for instance, like we said, the U.S. is author plus um, life of author plus seventy, and corporate it says whichever is earlier one twenty for years after publication or ninety five years after creation. Yes. Now, Rue has Canada,
3: but just a heads up that isn't the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's the Copyright Term Extension Act of 1998. It's been like that since 1998 in this country. Yes. Okay.
2: So it looks like for Canada, um, for unpublished works, 50 years except when author dies between 1948 and 1999. Copyright until 2049. Um, Published works, um, it looks like that it's life of author plus 50 years. So, 20 years more under the TPP. Um, For
0: the UK and the European Union, it's life of author plus 70, but there are various exceptions for works before 1998.
2: Um, Mexico, it's life of the author plus 100 years. Wow, that's a lot.
0: Right. And Japan, which actually has a very vibrant public domain thing. Actually, it's kind of like a huge deal for things to go into the public domain. Um, It's life of author plus 50. So... Very small. So you can kind of see how it would impact various places around the world. And if you think about, uh, as, as we t- start talking about copyright in general, a lot of fairy tales, stories, folk tales, things like that in your local culture are all in the public domain. This would change a lot of those stories. Things like Harry Potter will one day be folklore.
2: Ooh, You could do Harry Potter... And the whatever it may be at that present time i don 't know yep
3: well kind of like how most of the Shakespeare seems to be public domain now, exactly, yep, Harry Potter is this generation' of Shakespeare
0: <laughs> 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 all right, so you touched a little bit on fair use, um, but you were saying that there were several points that constitute fair use, so. Uh, Did you you go through all of them or just the one? I can't recall at the moment.
3: I went through a couple. There are four main factors for fair use, one of which is the purpose and character of the use. What you're using is what you're doing to the original copyrighted work for a commercial purpose or for some sort of non-commercial purpose. If your goal is to make money off of it, it leans toward it being not fair if your goal is to not make money off of it, it leans towards fair. Now keep in mind, none of these individual factors is completely black and white. So like, like the ROM example, even if you're not trying to make money off it, apparently it's not fair. Um, the second one is the nature of the copyrighted work. Um, is what you're copying, you know, what kind of work are you copying? Is it, are you copying something that's commonly for sale are you're copying something that's a little less, and cre- how, cre- how much cre- creativity went into the original thing you're copying. Three, which we, I've touched on briefly, the amount of what you're using. If you're copying the entire thing versus if you're copying just a tiny little bit. And then finally, and most of the cases I've seen, this is the most important but not definitely still not by itself the only one that's important, is what's the effect on the copyright owner's market? Are you cutting into their sales or potential sales?
2: What if it's raising their sales?
3: Um, you'll have to explain what you mean by that. I can't <laughs> imagine any instance where you copying someone's work and is going to help them sell more of the work that you just copied.
2: Well, like, for example, like let's play videos or like, you know, videos that they have on, on the internet for, for for video games, for, for example, um, Nintendo seems to be extremely, um, careful on how their characters are used and, Mm -hmm. um, which, which rightfully so, I mean, they own it, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that put a lot of time like youtube youtubers put a lot of time and effort into making something to explain you know the benefits of a game or to help to you know to do marketing in some ways um but they are i mean youtubers do make money mm-hmm. you know off of it so they are technically making money off of um off of nintendo or you know whatever video game that they're reviewing, but there's a lot of cases that you know that they're um there's an argument actually that's going on right now where you know um people are people are saying well we're we're helping to sell this game um we're helping to get more increased sales because people are seeing that we're playing it, and so we're technically doing um Nintendo a favor even though that they they're receiving um, money off of, you know, off of that's what an, they're showing.
3: That's an interesting case. Um, the that as a general rule, if a, if a copyright owner, you know, actually asks you to stop using their stuff, unless you have a very good reason, it's always best to stop and consult with someone. Um that's number one. Um, it's very interesting. Like th- th- these YouTube videos, they're not disparaging the work. They're not, you know, making it seem dumb, or they're not making a parody of it. Although that's a whole other story. Um, it's tricky because the use the, the use of the video is still commercial in nature, so that's going to weigh against the video maker. Mm-hmm. Um, it really depends on how long these videos are. Are you showing the entire game played through? Or are you showing just one level?
2: Well, it's... So- sometimes it is and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not. Sometimes it's just, uh, you know, a 10-second clip from the video and it's being flagged and taken down off of YouTube. And then, you know, mm-hmm. um, it could be a, a video and they only showed a 10-second clip or... or Whatever, um, right. but at the same exact time, there's on the other end where it's the whole entire game, where it's a let's play video where they're basically playing the whole entire game. Mm-hmm. So. And
3: obvious, when it comes to those two types of videos, the 10 second video is more likely to be considered a fair use, whereas the whole game is probably less likely um, you know all other factors are you know considered the same. The less you use of it, the more likely you are to legally get away with it um, under, under a fair use defense. But again, this is the kind of thing where every situation is different. Yep, It depends on – a lot of times it depends on the judge or the jury if, they, if this ever goes to a lawsuit that's looking at it. So again, the best advice is if you've been flagged – if you put something on YouTube and you've been flagged and you want to get it back up, you want to consult someone who can look at the individual thing you're doing and, how, and give you real legal advice.
0: So oh, there's one thing that I was reading when we were doing research here, and it says that typically direct, or, uh, fair use has to typically have some kind of criticism. It needs to be you know, illustrating a fact, news reporting, um, needs to be scholarly in nature, that kind of thing. Is that generally also considered is it is it a good rule of thumb when you're making those kinds of decisions as a content creator um i mean is it codified in law as well or
3: it's is- it's not codified however but you're absolutely right news reporting commentary those are more protected types of use and those are going to help way in a favor of fair use um, for example you know, you look at you. You turn on the news, and they're reviewing the latest movie, and they're showing a couple of clips. Now, granted, real big news you know news stations are gonna get the movie studios' permission, so it's not even gonna be an issue. But that kind of thing is less likely to be a copyright infringement because you're not doing it for an artistic purpose. You're doing it for a you're doing it for a reporting purpose, for a for speech, for criticism. Those types of things are usually more considered to be. I don't know much about that one, but I will point you to, you and your listeners to, you might get a um, kick out of this. In 1978, Disney sued a company called Air Pirates, and Air Pirates were taking actual Disney characters and creating parody-type comics using them, and these comics were vulgar in nature, and obviously Disney was not too thrilled about it. So that could be if you um, if if you or your listeners ever feel so inclined, Google air pirates and Disney and see what comes up. You might find some interesting comic strips, (laughs) or if Disney has anything to say about it, you might not. I don't know.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, I guess it's break time. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I need to go Google some air pirates. Okay. So we're gonna go (laughs) do that, and then we will be back.
1: Hailing frequencies open, Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Friday, February 5th, here are your space headlines. A Texas-based company, NanoRacks, wants to build and deploy a new airlock for the ISS. This would attach to Node 3 near the Coppola, and would be used primarily for the deployment of CubeSats. As of right now, the only way to deploy such payloads is through an airlock in the Japanese Science Module, which has limited capacity, and access is limited as well there's a long line of private CubeSat developers that want to turn. This airlock would allow for far greater numbers to be deployed at one time, and it would be generally accessible to the whole crew. It can also be used to bring equipment removed from the station inside for repairs, as well as the disposal of trash when a resupply vessel isn't ready to depart. As of right now, NanoRacks is bidding the price for the airlock to be between 12 and $15 million. Scientists have discovered that Pluto's surface may be more active than once thought. Floating hills of water ice appear to creep across the surface atop nitrogen ice glaciers. The nitrogen ice is denser than water ice, so it naturally sinks below. Its natural movement across the substrate beneath is akin to glaciers on the surface of Earth. But with water ice resting on top, it allows these hills to move as if they're floating on an ocean, not unlike icebergs. The government of Luxembourg announced on February 3rd it's looking to jumpstart an industry sector aimed specifically at mining asteroids. The country is home to SES, one of the largest commercial space fleet operators in the world, primarily telecommunications satellites, and they're looking to expand the nation's impact on spaceflight. Already, the announcement has garnered the attention of many big players in private spaceflight, including Deep Space Industries, Planetary Resources, who demonstrated the first 3D-printed object using only non-terrestrial materials, and SpaceX, to name a few. Expect to hear and see more about missions to capture, study, and harvest materials from asteroids in the coming years. Already there's set to be a high-tempo launch schedule for the year. SpaceX is preparing to ramp up production of the Falcon 9 as well as how often they launch. United Launch Alliance has already scheduled 15 launches for the year, including the successful deployment of a communications satellite earlier today by way of an Atlas V out of Canaveral. Roscosmos is gearing up for their first Soyuz launch from its new Vostokny Cosmodrome in Siberia. Their Baikonur Cosmodrome is on lease from Kazakhstan until 2050 and is located deep in landlocked territory. Vostokny is owned by the Russian government, and while it's still a good distance from the ocean, it's much closer than Baikonur, and is adjacent to the Chinese border, perhaps to allow for greater access to Chinese passengers and hardware. Expect to hear about the Soyuz launch in March or April. That's all we've got for you this time. For more on space and space-related matters, follow NASA, NanoRacks, Deep Space Industries, Planetary Resources, SpaceX, and Roscosmos on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. We want you to do our ident. Click do our ident on the For What It's Worth website.
2: Welcome back, and now that you've had your fill of copyright of what you can and you cannot do, (laughs) just kidding, or
0: the police will come get you, or the police (laughs)
2: will come get you, oh, Rue, hey, you know those, those, um, warnings, oh, yeah, those warnings that you see, they don't even put those on
0: Blu-rays anymore, like.
2: Yeah, they do. Yes, now,
0: they do. They have like the little FBI ones that no one gives a crap about. But do you remember when they had those really funny videos where it was like, you copy uh, this videotape, you're going to jail. And it was like some <laughs> old video, and, like some old biddy was crying.
2: You don't remember those? <laughs> yes, I do. They don't
0: do those anymore. <laughs> they should no, have. now they have an extra still that says piracy
3: is not a victimless crime.
0: Oh, yeah, they do. And they did do don't copy that floppy too. <laughs> they did
2: don't copy that floppy Two. are
0: we still talking software. about
3: software
2: <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, just, uh,
0: okay well because we're a show about furry stuff we should probably talk about furry stuff Ru, how does that sound
2: i <laughs> love that idea i know
0: so uh as as always you guys have sent us a few emails just a few so the first wall of text tonight is brought to you by leo hello leo i'm glad you and we were talking here's what you had to say what? Hello, you dazzling cast of fowa. I don't know if we're dazzling. It's Leo, the artist. Being that artist is in my name and dabbling in the arts daily, this subject affects my crafts and magic with every badge I draw to the paintings I put on Instagram. Now I'm just going to go off on a few points if I may, since it's probably best to stay on track. There's some kind of icon. One, should artists or characters keep the rights to the commissioned art? As a furry that draws others, I say that it goes as a 50-50 type deal. Say I'm drawing a person's persona like Rue. For example, Rue is copyrighted and owned by him, and I state that in the comments because I don't own him. But since he's featured in a picture that I dream in, he's entitled to the artwork as well. And 2. Should you be able to borrow art from others? 2. Answer. Depends. Say someone on G uses my artwork and credits me and gives a link to my FA or so furry, I don't have a problem. Getting some free publicity and I'm credited for my work. But if some random fuzzbutt posts my artwork claiming it is theirs, angrily exhales, I'm a slap a bitch. This really <laughs> upsets me and gets me pissed. As an example, there's an ex mate of mine who tried to claim artwork of a gal that does incredible work on Instagram, so I asked him, Oh, your art just looks like insert name or something, and pretty much called him out for it. He deleted that post in the picture. Most of the time it works by calling them out, but I don't recommend it because it leads down a rabbit hole. Three, should you be able to recult slaps? Fucking no. Bad fuzz butt. This is the easiest way to grind my gears, and I have had this happen to me. I drew a naughty picture of a fellatio in progress. It sounds like a donut. A few days passed, and going on mm, E61. Fellatio. A fellatio <laughs> with coffee. I see that my work was just recolored. A recoloring of a person's art is bad. But if I say I got a free base or free outlined artwork for an artist on FA, I can doodle my colors and stuff on it and call it mine as long as I credit the artist. The artist on FA gives tons of free bases around, some as raffles or a straight up download. Go ahead. Gets off his soapbox. Well, that's my tirade. Sorry I didn't call in this time. I'm trying to make a uh, master a very feminine voice, and I strained my throat, so not this time. And I'm glad you guys loved your gifts. Hearing you guys' reaction was the best feeling in the world. It was like Christmas all over again for me, but it was for you. With (laughs) hugs and cookies, Leo the Artist. Um, Thanks again
2: for that package, Leo. 100%.
0: So, he's touched on a lot of things, and the big question is, how does the fandom interact with copyright? So, we have lots of questions. So, question one for our esteemed lawyer. Mr. Lee, do furries own their characters under copyright law?
3: That is a good question, um,
0: generally speaking well we- here's
3: the thing that air pirates case I mentioned before the break that case involves whether or not you know a character what as opposed to an entire work can be copyrighted. Um, most characters are not are non-copyrightable ideas. However, comic characters, cartoon characters, they become something more than just ideas. They become more tangible if you will. They have physical attributes. They there's more to them than just an individual drawing and they can be considered copyrightable. So if, if, if the individual person came up with their own persona, and forgive me if I'm not using the correct terminology. No, yeah, you're fine. If, if, if you as the individual came up with it, then, then you might be able to assert some copyright in it. Absolutely. Um, if someone character? drew it for you and then you kind of adopted it later, that might be a little different.
0: So, but what about trademarking now? I know trademarking is different, obviously, but can you trademark your character if you happen to have the extra cash to do it?
3: Well, trademarking is a little bit different. Like you said, trademarking, the main requirement of trademark is it's used in commerce. So if you have a character that you use for personal use, conventions, what the whatnot, that's probably not a trademark. But if you start selling items that has that image on it and we're talking a specific image of the character, not the character itself, but for trademark purposes, it might be able to be trademarked. Um, For example, Mickey Mouse in and of himself is a copyrighted character. Certain images, probably almost every image, I can't think of exceptions, individual images of Mickey Mouse might also be copyrighted, but may also be trademarked when Disney uses Mickey's face to sell you something,
0: which they do. Just a little bit.
3: <laughs> just a little just, bit. Just a lot. <laughs> That's the big difference. If you're not using something in commerce, it cannot be trademarked.
0: So I just want to make sure I understood this right. So mm-hmm. if your character becomes more than just an idea, like you you actually make it tangible, Mm-hmm. It's much easier to claim a copyright if you're going to go to all the trouble to do so. As a general rule, with copyright, with all copyrights, but specifically in
3: this instance with with uh, characters, a characters, yeah. the more detail, the better. Okay. The more things that make it unique, and as lo- and as long as those unique characteristics show up each time you use that character, which would I, which would Drive home the point that those unique points are part of the character, not just an individual painting or photo of the. You know what I mean? Right. That would help in the claim of copyright in the
0: character itself.
2: Okay. So, in other words, put markings on your character.
0: Don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, because well, then you he, then you come up against genericizing, right? You
2: can't be like, oh, you just copied my character. Oh, wait, you well, look like every other fox. You're
3: a polar bear. There. Yeah. Yeah, you're yes and no. Um, two two different things there. Notices, copyright notices, are no longer required for you to have copyright. So as soon as you create an original creation of expression and fix it in a tangible medium, such as you have a character and you've painted it on a canvas, it is now copyrighted. That that is copyright. Notice, putting you know the little C in a circle, your name and the year. It used to be required, but. Recent recent changes in the Copyright Act is no longer required. What it does do is it puts other people on notice that, hey, this is copyrighted, and if you steal it, you better watch out. You know what I mean? Certain types of legal remedies, like certain types of damages, money you can – someone infringing on your work, you can only get if you have – if you put notices on your work. But to say that you need the notice just to get a copyright is not technically a true statement. Second thing you mentioned was genericide, generic. That is a trademark term. Copyrights material does not become generic. It, once you have a copyright, you own it. like Your life plus 70 years. There you go. Um, and at the end of that term, it can go public domain. That's copyright. Generic is a trademark theory trademark issue where if something you if if something you've been using as a trademark to to show, to show your specific goods you know becomes the name of the good itself such as a, such as a xerox or a kleenex that's generic where the, the word no longer means your specific version of the product but it means all versions of the product if you have a Samsung printer and you make a copy on that printer, people call it, hey, go make me a Xerox. That's 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 the word Xerox becoming generic. Um, and a lot of brands, I know we're getting off topic, this is trademark now, but a lot of big brands out there actually spend a lot of money what they call policing their trademark. Have you ever noticed you go to a restaurant and order a Coke and they say, we don't have Coke, Can we get you Pepsi? Yeah. That's Part of that is you know your server being a good server and just letting you know that you're not getting the exact thing you asked for. But part of that is they're instructed that if someone orders a Coke and you give them something that's not Coke, you have to let them know it's not Coke because Coke doesn't want the word Coke becoming generic. That makes sense. And in some parts of the country it is. If you, um, from what I'm told, if you go to the South, it's all Coke. Yeah. That's just so. the word. I mean I I'm I'm from New York and even though they say soda there as the generic word I've always called I I order coke everywhere I go. Can I have a diet coke? Uh is diet Pepsi okay? Sure, no problem. But I don't ask for a diet soda. I ask for a diet coke. It's just what I always ask for. That's to best me personally.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, and if you look on the the tops of the tops of the cans or what I mean not cans but like the soda pops where the soda pop where you like push down on like whether you have lemonade or other, or what, what is, on, what's cola. on there? It's cola or diet cola, cola
0: yeah.
3: diet cola, like root beer and other. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So, so let's, let's just pull it back there to the topic then. So can furries control their appearances and artwork?
3: The answer is yes. If, they want to spend the time, effort, and money to do so. That, that's. I mean, keep, keep, if someone uses your work, the only way to stop them is to send them a letter saying, yo, knock that off. And if they don't knock that off, then, you're, then your next step is to take them to court. And that's time-consuming and expensive. So yes, you know, copyright is copyright. If you have the right to protect your work, you may do it. It's just that... On an in, for, an, for an individual to protect a character, it may not be worth that individual's time, effort, and money to do so. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. So in other mm-hmm. words, people are awful.
3: They are. I mean, <laughs> and there's no other way around it. Um, Some
0: people are awful.
3: Now, if I remember correctly, in the email from Leo, he mentioned something about creating caricatures for a furry. Who, and do, does, the, does the caricature creator, which I think Leo said he was the caricature creator, does he keep copyright or do they do? And he says something about splitting it 50-50.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, what I'm going to let you know is that's not how it works uh, legally. <laughs> legally, there's a, there's a doctrine called work made for hire. And a work made for hire says if you're an employee – not an independent contractor, which I'm guessing Leo is an independent contractor in his cases. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you're an employee and something, and you create something creative in the scope of your employment, your employer owns it. So if you are a cartoonist for a, if you work for Disney and you draw and you're drawing the next Mickey Mouse cartoon, you don't get copyright in what you're doing. Disney does. However, independent contractors, Leo the artist, under unless something, unless they specify otherwise in, an, in, an, in a written agreement, the independent contractor, even if they're being paid for what they're doing, owns copyright in their own work, in the independent contractor's work. So, Leo, as a contractor, would most likely own the copyright in each caricature he makes.
0: I can't tell you how many artists that are listening to this just went through the roof. Because so many artists will do a commissioned piece and resell it so many times as a print. And mm-hmm. now the thing is, is I, I'm, I know a lot of them will say, hey, I, w- I want to retain the right to resell copies of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll refuse the work if they can't, which is, I guess, their right to right. do so, Right. It's, yeah. just, it's just interesting that because it's so commonplace, and the, and what you're saying is very, very opposite of what a lot of the practice is.
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: well, here's the thing. There's there's a, there's two caveats to that. Caveat number one is when you create a caricature of someone of someone else's ca- copyrighted work. So let's tie it all together. The individual furry may own the copyright of their character.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Leo, the artist, does a caricature of that character. The individual. The, the furry who owns the character retains copyright in the character. Leo needs that person's permission, which when they go to him to make a caricature is kind of implied, to create what's called a derivative work of their character, which would be the caricature. Um, and the second thing I want to say on that. So, sorry, let me let me finish. No, when it fine. comes to a derivative work like that, Leo would own all the new original creativity in the caricature, but the f- individual furry still owns the, the characteristics of the character, the, the underlying work, the, the work before Leo got involved. Uh, does that make sense? Yes. But so, if
2: but oh, if ahead. somebody commissioned him. Then some, technically, the person that commissioned him retains the full work. Is that is that what I'm hearing?
3: Not necessarily. If someone commissions him,
0: if that would be work for hire, though.
3: Yeah, that. Well, no, work for hire specifically generally refers to an empl- uh, an actual employee in an employment situation, and one of, and the main factor there is how much control over a caricature does Leo have and how much control over the caricature does the furry have mm-hmm. if the furry gets to tell leo what colors to use how big to make it when to do it like you know like a boss to an employee
0: which is then it's a work
3: made for then then that's a work made for hire as opposed to a commissioned work
0: yeah that's basically the gist of what it is the person will say i am available if you would like to hire me to produce art the person then says okay i would like this to occur in the art this is what i would these are the characters that i own that want to be in the art then they agree upon a price and the art is produced
3: mm. now here's the other thing when it comes to works made for hire as i stated earlier an independent let's say let's say for argument's sake leo is considered an independent contractor which based on what you're telling me i still i'm still leaning that way Mm-hmm. An independent contractor can give copyright of the work to the person paying for the work if it's explicitly put in a written agreement. And if, if rule number one for tonight's thing is always seek individual advice for your own situation rather than relying on me talking on this podcast, Yes. <laughs> rule number two is... If you're gonna get into an agreement with someone, spell out what you want in as plain language as possible in writing.
0: Ask um, the artist,
3: and it's not a, and, and it's not so much about oh you pull, you want a contract you don't trust me. It's more you know what these are some questions that may come up, and I think it's best the two of us figure it out now before we get mad at each other later.
0: Oh yeah, it's a much better approach. So if you if the
3: If the person commissioning Leo to make the work wants to own copyright in it, the best thing I can say is make that part of the agreement. Leo the artist will retain zero copyright in this. Commissioner retains 100% copyright. Commissioner grants Leo the limited license to do this to the work for his own showcases if they want to do that. You know what I mean? Spell it out. And a lot of people think contracts, oh, contracts have to have a whole bunch of legalese and mumbo-jumbo that no one other than trained attorneys understand, which most of the times they don't.
0: <laughs> no, it can be very simple. That's how we do it for the show, even. Like, Space News is it has an ag- agreement that way. Mm-hmm. Um, are, some of our upcoming interstitials do. I mean, anyone who contributes to the show on a regular basis, we sit down and we say, this is how the copyrights are, just because it's easier that way absolutely
3: you know? and the simpler it is the less trouble you have later because no one can say oh i didn't understand that green meant green no of course green meant green it's it's we're using simple language so that a five-year-old could understand it and i hate i'm not trying to compare artists and commissioners to five-year-olds but sometimes to protect yourself you have to make it so e- so easy a caveman can do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-oh, trademark violation. Mike. Uh-oh.
2: <laughs> okay. Lawyers got involved. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so my boyfriend actually commissioned um, an artist. Um, he's preparing um, to write a book. And so the artist, he actually set up a little contract with them and said, Hey, um, I need to maintain full rights because this is going to be published in the book and you know just to make sure that because you know if all of a sudden the book became extremely popular or something like that and the artist came back and was like well you're using my work i should get a piece of these profits or something like that you know Mm -hmm. he ended up writing a little contract and having him sign it and stuff like that just in case you know things you know didn't get messy so just just to you know give another example
0: So while Rue grabs Sparks' email, I'm going to ask you the last question of this kind of trifecta we have here, which is art recolorings. Are they blatant copyright violations?
3: Without permission, yes. Um, All
0: right, you um, You Basically,
3: yes. You're taking someone else's work and you're using that work to create, and you're adding to it. You know, recoloring is creating a derivative work. You're taking something that already exists and you're inserting your own creativity into it, which that's great. And the creativity you add to it in your recoloring is yours. That's cool. But if, but, but since you took someone else's work to start, that is technically an infringement without permission. And if you're then taking an artistic work and making your own artistic work out of it, it's very, it can be very difficult to argue that that's some sort of a fair use. I mean, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty bad. Now, if the original artist, like, it's, like I, I kind of got the gist in that letter, is, hey, I'm cool with it, just give me credit. Well, that's cool. That means I'm not going to sue you. But <laughs> technically, it's still an infringement. You know what I mean? Right. Well, if you if own the copyright and someone infringes your copyright, it's your right to take action just as much as it's your right to not take action.
2: Well, what about appropriation?
0: <laughs> we have to define that, though.
2: I pull up that word. Yay. So, um, like, for example, um, there's this artist. There's this, this photographer. Um, I need to pull up his name, and I don't have his name on me right now. But this is something that they teach in art class. Um mm-hmm. basically, this guy goes around takes photographs of people's paintings in a museum, puts them in a book and um you know the figures themselves uh, the painting it's zoomed in it it's not it's not a painting on a wall at a museum it is the painting offered you know it's a picture of it zoomed up and he takes complete full credit for that particular work. And, um, I, I know I need to pull up the name of that individual. Is it, it Marcel Duchamp? I, I don't know. It could be possibly him. Okay. It sounds kind of familiar, but, um, you know, that, that within itself, I mean, it, it went to the courts and, um, you know, people were trying to sue him for taking their work and the courts were like, um, courts ended up ruled in his favor that it was a different form of a work, that it was, you know, it was for a different medium. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Um, but I, I don't know. I just didn't know if you knew anything about, I know I'm being very vague. I'm sorry.
3: No, and that's, that's fine. Again, every individual situation is going to be different. Um, what it comes down to is whether the use of the new or the the type of work of the new how different or similar is it of of the type of the old now photo versus painting to some people that would think well a photo is an exact duplicate of the painting to someone like me who knows nothing about photography I'm like well you're basically making an exact copy a photograph is no different than putting it on a Xerox machine. Ah, I said Xerox again. <laughs> um, to photographers, people with ordinary skill in that medium, which I have no skill in the art of photography, they'll tell you it is not making a copy. There's so much that goes into photography. The lighting, the, the, the character of the background, the arrangement. There's a lot of things that go into it. And there was actually a very famous case about not so much copying a photograph, but recreating a photograph being a copyright infringement because they use the same kind of imagery and arrangement and lighting. So the point here and I'm sorry to get off track.
2: No, no, you're on track. It's fine.
3: Um, I think you can make an argument either way. Uh, to me, I think that's, that's, in, that to me, that sounds like infringement. um, if you're especially if your photograph is the entire
2: painting, um, well, the reason why I bring it up is because um, there's some people in the fandom that, like, for instance, um, they'll you've seen fursuits suits and stuff like that, like pictures of people, um, yeah. you know, dancing around, whatever. Uh, so people take pictures of those fursuits, suits, okay? Mm-hmm. And then what they do is they take the picture of the fursuit suit and then they'll trace it. Um, so they'll find a fursuiter on the internet. They're like, oh, I really like that form or whatever, and they'll trace that piece of art, mm-hmm. color it as whatever color that they want, and then they will resell that image to somebody else. But it's oh. not, um, it's no, It's it's a different medium now, so it's mm-hmm. changed from a photograph that they've drawn on
3: to, to a painting or a drawing. To a drawing. To me, and my word is not the final word, but to me, changing the medium does not save what would otherwise be an infringement. Um, obviously, the, the shading and the coloring—it's you're adding to it, so it's not a direct copy, but it's probably closer to a derivative use. But I—that just—it just seems wrong and I, I, I would have to research more into this, but it seems like one should not be able to take photographs of something that's copyrighted, change whatever they want about it, and then sell it for themselves. That seems like it wouldn't, especially that, remember, like I said, with fair use, the most important factor in most of these decisions is are you cutting into someone else's sales? And, well, you can argue that well, my work is different. It's different colors. They want the blue version rather than the red version. And I'm oversimplifying, so I apologize. No, you're fine. There, The argument could go the other way saying, yes, but now that there is a blue version, people who would have bought the red are now buying the blue, if that makes any sense. So to me, it sounds like infringement. But again, each situation is different. And it, it really depends on what the people who have to make that decision decide. Each judge and jury may find it differently. It's a it's a very fair use is a very gray area. It can it can really go either
2: way. So um, I have an email that's kind of on the same exact base of what we're what we're talking about. It's from Sparks the Dragon, and he says, "Hi all, I know that this topic can get pretty heated, but I'm I never one to back down on a a spirited discussion first of all I will let's see I will that I believe whoever made a piece of art owns that art unless they sell slash give it away to someone then that other person owns the art and can do whatever they want with it as long as they don't claim that they made it themselves I also think that posting Furry art is fine even if it's not yours, unless the original artist is explicitly against it. Recoloring and treating it as your own is wrong. It's actually wrong legally. Mm -hmm. Um, The only time you can call an art yours is if you, let's see, if you can make sufficient changes to it otherwise recreating an art piece is called a study lastly i am a strong supporter of created commons i think people can get too uptight about these things just give credit where credit is due and use common sense sparks the dragon Mm. what's your thoughts
3: Well, first of all, from from the spirit of what what Sparks is saying, it makes sense. As far as what is and is not legal, it's not entirely accurate. Um, First thing he said was, if you buy a painting, you can then do whatever you want with it. Yes and no. Um, If you buy a painting, you cannot duplicate, take pictures of that painting and then sell the pictures. That is an infringement. If you buy, if when you buy a painting, you're not buying the art, you're buying that specific copy of the art. Even if it's, even if it's hand painted and it's isn't copies, you're not buying the copyright, you're buying the physical, tangible object. Does, does that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, some of the things copyright protects is the right of duplication, the right of public display, public performance, the right to create derivatives, and the right to distribute. Um, there's an exception to the right to distribute called the first sale doctrine.
0: I love this doctrine so much.
3: <laughs> so let's go back to the painting example. I but you, you make a painting. I buy your painting. I hang it on my wall. A year later, my friend comes over and says, you know what, that is the most beautiful painting I've ever seen. I will pay you twice what you paid for it. And I say, deal. And then you find out about that and you're like, wait a second. I have the right to control distribution of my work. You can't do that. And I would say, yes, I can. Once you're and that's what the first sale doctrine does, once you sell a, a piece of your work, that individual copy, that piece, can then be resold without the original artist's permission. It can't be changed, duplicated, or any of that stuff, but I can take the physical painting I bought from you and then sell it to someone else. It's like when you... Like when you buy a video game. When you're done playing the video game, you can go sell it to GameStop without pissing off
0: Sony. Except you piss off Sony.
2: <laughs>
3: well, yeah.
0: I know, I know. It's the idea, though. You should be yeah. it. Without so.
3: legally pissing off
0: Sony. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> does, does that make sense? What you can't do is make copies of the game and sell those copies. Or or make copies of the game at all and, and then sell the original back. Saying, oh, it's the original. First sale. No, no that's not how it works. You have the right to redistribute the individual item you bought. Does uh, does that make sense?
2: Yes.
0: So we have to go to our last break here, but I want to sneak this in. So can you answer this in 30 seconds? What about posting, what about reposting art to things like uh, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook? So if you find a piece of furry art, you're really like, oh, this is great. It's Mm -hmm. not you. It's not your character. You didn't pay for the art. You just found it on FA and now you want to share it with other people. Is that is that a copyright violation?
3: Technically yes. You're technically taking someone else's art and distributing it without their permission. And when it comes to and that's the thing when it comes to the internet, Tumblr and stuff like that, it's a very gray area because that whole first sale doctrine, it's very difficult to apply it to digital work that is so easily literally copied and pasted. You're not talking about a tangible photo. You're talking about a digital piece that you could email to 20 people and, with the snap of your fingers.
2: Yep. It's true. Uh,
3: so technically, that would be a, a prima facie infringement. Whether or not it's fair use, whether or not someone's going to come after you for it is a whole other story. But you, you yes, could, I would say off the top.
0: You, you could quick, go after quick them quick answer, and DMCA yes, right? I'm sorry? I didn't mean to talk over you there. Did you, uh, can you DMCA someone for that? Though? Like, so let's say you find your art on on tumblr you could go after tumblr like take that down
3: well not go after but you can you can you can reach out to tumblr and say tumblr i own that art take it down and they're gonna have to do it right to, to, to keep their safe harbor status because if they don't do it then you can sue them gotcha
0: gotcha sorry i didn't mean to talk over you there what was that last little bit of what you said there
3: um just basically, in a nutshell, taking some taking someone else's photo, even digitally, and then reposting it somewhere else is technically a duplication. It could be it could be considered a public display. It could be considered a du- um a, a distribution. My, you know, my spider sense tingles on that one, saying that's probably not legal. Whether or not you're going to get dinged for it, probably not, because you're a small fish in a very big pond. But technically that's something that technically that's an infringement
0: okay well there you have it so i think it's time for our last break Rue, why don't you do the thing the thing yeah
2: do the thing take us out all right we'll be back
5: (laughs) 50 sheds of gray the furry edition take one I'm going to take you from behind, Anastasia," he murmurs, and with his other paw he grasps my hair at the nape in a fist and pulls gently, holding me in place. I cannot move my head; I am pinioned. Pin, it really says pinioned. This pinioned beneath him, helpless. This is this is the edit. This is this book was made into a major motion picture because it was pinioned beneath him, helpless. Who writes this? You are mine, he whispers, only mine. Don't forget it. His voice is intoxicating, his words heady, seductive. I feel his growing erection against my thigh, his knot slowly building between it. Sure, why not? His long paws reach around to gently massage my clitoris, circling slowly. His breath from his muzzle is soft against my face as he slowly nips me along my jaw. Really, that didn't even need to be changed. That didn't even need to be changed. You smell divine. He nuzzles behind my ear. Seriously, what is this guy? I didn't even need to change this book. He's actually just a wolfman. His hand rubs, excuse me, his paw rubs against me around and around. Reflexively, my hips start to circle, mirroring his hand as excruciating pleasure spikes through my blood like adrenaline. This is crap. This is... Women, there's better porn in the world, all right? <laughs> Good lord. Keep... Oh, excuse me. My nook just turned off on me here again. Keep... Oh, crap. Where did it go? All right. No wonder this company went out of business. Good lord. Which book was I reading? Here we go. There we go. Keep still, he orders. I said it should be he barks his voice soft but urgent, and slowly he inserts his paw inside me, rotating it around and around, stroking the front wall of my vagina. The effect is mind-blowing. I imagine so if your entire paw was inside a vagina. All energy concentrating on this one small space inside my body. I moan, I've seen the porn of you. It's not a small space you like this? He asks softly, his teeth grazing my outer ear, and he starts to flex his paw slowly in, out, in, out, his fingers still, his paws still circling. I close my eyes, trying to keep my breathing under control, trying to absorb the disordered, chaotic sensations that his fingers are unleashing on me. Fire coursing through my body, I moan again. You're so wet, so quickly, so responsive. Oh, Anastasia, I like that. I like that a lot, he barks.
4: You're listening to For What It's Worth. Brought to you by the For What It's Worth Cinema. Valentine's Day is coming up. Why not treat your special guy or gal to a night of the movies? Our luxurious theater has everything a young couple could want on a romantic evening. Quality entertainment, delectable snacks, the privacy of darkness, and conveniently divided individual seating, ready to ensure a healthy separation of church and state, if you'll get my meaning. Come see amazing films such as Pride and Prejudice, A Lioness Comes to Grip with Her Place in the Food Chain, King Kong, One-Eighth Struggle to Unite a Fractured Kingdom, and... Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, a delightful romantic comedy. Bring flowers and you just might get to first base. That's right, nothing says I love you like a firm handshake. For what it's worth cinema, please silence your phonographs when the house lights dim. And now for today's message. 2, 21, 25, 13, 15, 18, 5. Sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, three,
2: fifteen, eighteen,
0: fourteen. Good luck. It's time for the last segment.
2: Whoa, we've reached the last segment?
0: <laughs> I know. I know, I can feel all the rage and pitchforks out there on the internet. Well, so
2: what about those furries? Uh, we'll, we'll jump right back into the subject. Yes. So what about those furries that are coming out and saying, wait, but 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 I'm not making money. Um, so I, can't I ever post it? Can't I like...
0: That's not an argument that's exclusive to furries.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what about that argument though? People are like... Well, I'm not making any money, so I can reshare it, right? I'm giving you free advertising.
3: Uh, Again, that that goes back to the whole fair use conversation. And while while I stand by the fact whether you're making money or whether you're cutting into someone else's money is probably the most important factor. It's not the only factor. If you're taking someone else's entire work and putting it up on the Internet for no money – that's still probably not going to be considered a fair use when you use the entire thing. There are exceptions, but it's not looking good.
0: The, the argument, there's a really good essay, and I have it bookmarked somewhere, um, and I can't possibly read it on the show because it's too long. But it's basically a guy who writes music, and he had someone come up to him and say, well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm playing your music. People are enjoying it. They'll go out and buy your music. He's like, no, that's not how it works at all. The system was never designed that way. If you want to hear my music, great. You can hear it on the radio. You can hear it through places that I've given the okay to play it. You don't get to just play it because you're giving me free advertising. Let me come over to your bar with my friends and get free drinks. It'll be great advertising when we tell other people. That's not how it works. You're supposed to buy it. That's his his counter. That's correct. Um, And the system worked because we didn't have any other way to share until recently relatively speaking in history and so it was a, it was a mandatory two-person system where both sides participated and everyone got along and now we have the option of kind of being douches in a way and whether or not you think that's douchey is up to you and so it's kind of broken down the way the system functioned before where people have more liberty to do what they want so that that was the argument that this guy made and it was really compelling and interesting because it's, it's true you know Mm -hmm. the system is a, we have, I don't know. This is my soapbox moment, everyone. We have a responsibility as consumers to pay for a product or a a piece of work. If we can afford to do so, we don't get it for free. If we can't afford it, that's not how it works. You get to not have it. If, if you don't have the money, that's just how it is. There's there's no, the Mm -hmm. world isn't a charity,
2: but, but I just want to take, I just want to take the art and, I just want to do a recoloring, and you know, I don't have the money for that. I'm just gonna just change it a little bit, no, to reflect, <laughs> you know, my character. You know, hey, it's it's good practice. It's good practice for me, you know, mm-hmm. to to be able to recolor and, you know, it, it teaches the fundamentals, right? You know, your,
0: your local library could do that, too.
2: <laughs> well, and
3: one of the best things I can tell you about that is step one, try reaching out to the person that owns the art and just asking for permission. Sometimes I'll just say yes. A lot of people, as we've heard with these emails, will say, yeah, go ahead. Just give me a credit.
0: The That's music, they're right. The music we use for the mailbag works this that exact way that that's lemongrass music in Germany gave us the okay to use it. Mm-hmm. They're like, cool.
3: It's, it, it's not infringement if you have permission and some people are going to, some people may be willing to give you permission, a free license to use their stuff. As long as you ask and give them credit. Um. While well, you're right, you know, Everyone deserves to be compensated for their work. Some people have, people have the right to selectively waive that right. You know, uh, easiest example. I'm coming on your show. I'm not expecting anything out of it. I'm just happy to be here. Most, you know, many lawyers will say, well, that's an hour of my time. And I, turn, no, I don't, th- you know, that, that my, my work is no different than your work, no different than Leo the artist's work. We all deserve. We all have the right to be compensated for our our work, and we have the right to choose not to be. Exactly. You others don't have the right to force us not to
0: be. That's very. That's a good way to think about it too. Like, are you choosing to force someone to mm-hmm. be not compensated for their work? Cause... Yeah. Now that's uh that's a good point too. I know Spark mentioned Creative Commons. Um, our show draws heavily from Creative Commons, and we do give back to Creative Commons.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's an actual thing to <sighs> yeah. want to do, I think. Uh, but yeah, a lot of things we do. Our gag ads are always in the Creative Commons. That doesn't mean the old-timey ones. Sorry, guys. Um, but the ones we do, like Church of St. Mattress, you can use.
2: Anybody can use.
0: Yeah, there's some stipulations to it, but we license it out there, and we don't, we don't ask for money. So there, there are ways to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So... That being said, um, Lee is, is a scholar of the law. What are your final thoughts on this discussion about copyright?
3: Well, copyright is – it was, was my favorite subject in law school. I found it to be the most interesting topic. Um, copyright is about you – know, it's about as an artist protecting yourself from what others may do to your work and as a consumer – it's about protecting yourself so you don't find yourself on the business end of a cease-and-desist letter. Oh, or worse, a, 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 a lawsuit. Um, you know, if it's not yours, chances are you shouldn't be just taking it. Ask permission. If you, if you, if you know who the artist is, it couldn't hurt to ask. The worst they're going to do is say no. You know, a lot of times you hear the old adage, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Not when it comes to copyright. When it comes to copyright, definitely better to ask permission. You never know what someone's going to say. They may just say
0: yes. That's that's the best thing you could possibly say, I think. It's true. You never know when you're going to get a yes out of something.
2: But... I would need I I would want to point out to everybody is a little piece of advice is you know if you don't want your stuff to be used um maybe rethink twice before you post it out on the world you know the the web if you don't want it to be used or abused or whatever then you know maybe if it's something special maybe you need to
0: Don't give out a copy. Don't
2: give out digital copies for people to just spread to everywhere. I mean, I understand that they, technically, they still maintain that copyright, but it's like, do you want to spend like a whole bunch of money going after, or time, like we've already talked about, um, going after these people for using your art or your work, whatever it may be. And I know you want to share with, you know, your your neighbor or whatever, but you know, just you know, think about that a little bit before posting.
0: All right. Then I think that's it. Shall we push this button
2: it's the game
0: it's time for (laughs) the the game game. no one ever introduces it as the game like no one (laughs) ever did that until today thank you Rue alright Lee so thanks for coming on we want to punish you for this so (laughs) we have the game Um, the game doesn't have a clever no it does have a clever title today's game is called Right. And um, the instructions are this. If you get each question right, you earn one point. If you don't, you get nothing. How do you feel about these, these instructions?
3: So far, that makes
2: sense.
0: Okay, good. I'm going to let Rue lead off with question one.
2: Question number one. How many people does Taco Bell serve annually?
0: 300 million.
2: The answer is 8.5 million.
0: But they might actually generate 300 million pounds of waste. Question two. When did Taco Bell change their logo to the current one?
3: Oh, I want to say it
0: was the late 90s. We need a year. 98.
2: Ooh, that was really close.
0: 94. Oh, okay. Okay.
2: Where did the first Taco Bell Express open?
3: Inside of a KFC.
2: <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco. Oh, okay.
0: Inside of a KFC. No. <laughs> <laughs> Question four: What food company owns Taco Bell?
3: Yum, yum, <laughs> yum brands.
0: They technically do, so I will give it to you, but the answer we were looking for was different. Was it Pepsi? Yes.
3: Okay. I actually knew that one. <laughs> Woohoo!
0: Yeah. Is it my turn? Yes. Question five What will Taco Bell do if the Portland Trailblazers score 100 points in a game?
3: Give out free tacos? Uh...
0: You were so close.
2: That was really
0: close. You were so close. I was worried you were going to get a point. They give you a free chalupa.
2: Ah, uh, those okay. are
0: tacos, though. Sorry, but now I want a chalupa. Ah, uh,
2: so do I. Hey, drop the chalupa. Why do I want Taco <laughs> Bell now? I, I know. Okay, so what typical mill does um, mill type does Taco Bell no longer offer in its restaurants? Which is common in others?
3: What type of what meal?
0: Yes.
2: Oh, breakfast.
0: What? They I, had I, a wonderful I, breakfast taco. Those were so good.
3: I don't uh, which I don't know what it is. Let then. me
0: ask you. Let me ask you to you this way. What toy are they currently serving in the Taco Bell Kids Meal?
3: I don't know. I'm sorry.
2: So the answer is a kid's mill with a toy. They don't have a kid's mill. They don't have kid's mills.
3: (laughs) That makes more sense. So they just started breakfast. Why did they give it up already?
0: No, it's not like Wendy's. Wendy's had a good breakfast, too, and they killed it. Really? Yeah, it was years ago. All right, question seven. What item did Taco Bell try to sell in the 60s, but they discontinued rapidly?
2: Uh,
3: the, the, the french fries
2: That was actually pretty close well, They what, do still sell what, french fries in Canada What goes with french fries? Ketchup <laughs> Hamburgers Yeah there you go
0: <laughs> Question 8 How many Canadian provinces have Taco Bells?
2: 5 uh, 7 7, Seven. What item does Taco Bell offer in Japan, unique to the country? A fish taco? Ooh. Ah. It was close. A sushi taco? A shrimp avocado taco.
3: Shrimp avocado taco. Well, my wife have to go to Japan.
0: <laughs> I like that, that sounds good. Okay, your last question with no score. You're doing very well. Wait, I thought I got one. Oh, you did. You did. You did one point. You're doing very well. Um, (laughs) How many many Taco Bells are in Saudi Arabia? Zero. Uh, There are two. uh,
2: (laughs) Ah. You were just two off. That was very close. Yeah,
0: you were very close. (laughs) So, how do you feel about your Taco Bell knowledge? I feel it's a little lacking good
2: This was it's this less was of a grande
3: a... meal and more of a border light combo
2: <laughs> this was a really really random quiz where did this come from
0: well you see we were we were slated to have marcy from canada on and because taco bell in canada is really bizarre i was basing it around that and uh yeah lee got the short end of marcy's game <laughs> 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 thanks marcy oh there you go. We still love you though. So oh ooh, we're ready for the next button, ready?
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Alright, we've pulled the zipper down. It's <clears throat> time for the mailbag. <laughs>
0: I love opening the mailbag, it's my favorite part
2: It is, it's the best part of the show Oh, (laughs) yes I heard that we got a little laugh from our guest
0: Did you enjoy opening our mailbag with us?
2: (laughs) Oh,
3: absolutely, it was the highlight of my day
0: Oh, I'm so glad we could provide you such wonderful entertainments While we're waiting for Rue, why can't an Eskimo sit on the iceberg for too long?
3: Because it'll melt
2: because he'll get Polaroid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so here is the email. This is from <coughs> Anthro Dolphin. You had to I couldn't find it. Oh sh- <laughs> Oh tugs. Okay, so hello, this is Anthro Dolphin again. I just wanted to thank you for your help and for reading my email in the New Year's episode. We're doing it again. I have to say, I did not um, entirely expect my email to be selected. We're doing it again. (laughs) I'm not really a big name in the fandom, and I live far away in Pennsylvania. So it was a very, very pleasant surprise. Sorry to bother you with another question, but I have recently um, been given serious considerations to starting my own furry podcast. Don't do it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, Any tips, suggestions, or instructions? Eh, I just gave you one. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Keep going. Thank you, Tugs. To finish this, it says, thank you. Can't wait for your next episode. Your show truly means the world to me. It has helped me become a better and happier person as well as furry. Hopefully, someday, our past will be um, will bring us together in person. Yes, I'll bring cookies. Sincerely, AnthroDolphin. P.S. I hope you like the fortune um, that I that I submitted for the New Year's episode. Um, That being read was the biggest surprise um, than the email reading. You gotta finish the email. Oh, sent from my iPhone. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Your response?
2: Well, thank you for sending us that fortune cookie. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm glad that you enjoyed the show. And that we've been of some sort of help into making you a better and happier person. That's what the show is about. Yes. And cookies.
0: My advice is don't start a podcast <laughs> <laughs> because we don't want to compete with you. <laughs> no. Is,
2: is that the true response?
0: <laughs> no, that's my troll all over response. Woohoo! Um, No, the truth of it is, running a podcast sounds really wonderful and easy. It is, however, very expensive in terms of time, equipment, resources, dedication, stress, etc. So, you basically have to consider it to be a really, really deep hobby or a second job. And you've got to be a certain brand of special. So, if you have all these things and you would like to start a podcast, feel free. Otherwise, run far, far away. (laughs)
2: And, and here's the other thing. If you're going to attempt to do this by yourself, run even farther away. Because seriously, I could not do this show without Tugs and all that he does. And it, it's just so much help. It, it's been helpful to be able to have somebody as your teammate working on the show. There's no way that this show wouldn't be the quality that it is without the Baltimore.
0: Now, Lee, what advice do you have for starting the podcast?
3: Oh, make sure you have the time to dedicate to it. Um, Put up proper copyright notices. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's true.
3: Uh, And make sure you uh, invite on interesting guests and make it fun.
0: Make it so. (laughs) All right. Moving right along. We have an email from Coddle. Coddle says, hello, for what it's worth, cast. I've been listening for only the last few months and recently caught up with the more recent episode releases. I've never written into a podcast before, but I thought I'd give it a go. In any case, I'm Coddle, a ring-tailed mongoose from Florida. In any case, I'm not sure what to talk about since I have no idea what the next episode's topic will be. But I guess I'll go with the obvious. I have an oddly specific kink. I have a massive tail fetish. Fluffy, scaly, fleshy, anything so long as it's a nice butt accessory. I love it dearly to the point of being a mild obsession. I've never met anyone quite like me, and it's a bit interesting to hear other people's interpretation of the kink. The most common question I get is why I like them so much. I'm not 100% sure on that, to be honest. If I had to guess, it's probably my general love of butts. With a slight B.E. of xenophilia? I don't know what B.E. is... That's love for things outside one's own experience or alien to oneself. What's more alien to the human experience than a tale? Not much. Also, perhaps a bit of watching the Jungle Book one too many times as a child giving me a general thing for coiling. Anyway, I'm rambling. To wrap this up, wah wah wah. Have you ever heard of anything similar? And if not, is there any particular aspect of Anthros that's your favorite? In any case, I hope this email finds you well and you're enjoying the new year. All the best, coddle. Well, your love of tails, while well, I may not necessarily get to the level you like tails with, I, I can tell you this. I was bothered for the longest time before I went hybrid that I didn't have a tail, and that was about 70% of the reason why. And now I make sure that when I get my character drawn that my tail is as large as my torso. <laughs> Does not, like, seriously, if you're like, why is your tail so Because it looks fluffy. Ooh.
2: If you guys were here to see his face, <laughs> I was like,
0: right? No, it's a thing. Like, people are like, "Is it big?" Enough? No, you drew it up to like my f- like. No, it's it's an artistic thing. Do I would I have my tail be that big if I had a first in my tail character? Tail needs to be bigger. No, I wouldn't. But in art, it's 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 an artistic thing. It looks fluffy. You want to hug it. I want to hug my tail. I get it. So no, I don't think you're weird at all. Enjoy your tail loving. That's what I say.
2: Okay. I'll throw mine out there. I think ears are really interesting, especially, like, if you think about it, you look at a cat or a dog's ears, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could move our ears around? What about know? nekomimi? Well, yeah, Mimi, but, th- but that's not real. Like,
0: What? I have a pair. They are very real. I
2: know Mimi is real, but can you really hear out of them? The whole purpose of them is to be able to, you know, point your ears towards the sound and be able to hear it a little bit better.
0: You know, they were working on something called a taily, and I don't know if it ever came out. I will look. All right, Lee, so are people weird who like tails?
3: Not necessarily, yeah. That's <laughs> such a lawyer
0: answer. Give us the real answer. Um, no. <laughs> okay, so, so when you look at... You've looked at furry art. um, What... What aspects of furry characters do you, do you tend to like the most? Is it ears? Is it tails?
2: Or, or do you think that... Or do you run away screaming?
3: <laughs> um... I won't say I run away screaming, but I think they're... I, I... I don't think I appreciate it the way a lot of others might appreciate it. I don't have any one characteristic that jumps out at me. I, I wish I can give you a different
0: answer than that.
2: That's no, fair. You're fine. You're fair.
0: Well, here's what Rue really likes the most.
2: I like being... Oh, come on. <laughs> ah. <laughs> that wasn't me. I promise. Sure. It's a soundbite.
0: <laughs> of you. <sighs>
2: um,
0: it doesn't look like the tail ever actually went anywhere that I can see. Wait, maybe? I don't know. Um, apparently a guy named Lee has one um not the lee we're on the show with today but there's a youtube video
2: <laughs> yeah you have yeah. one How, how's that going for you your robot tail that you have
3: uh, comes in handy
2: so <laughs> he, he probably doesn't know what it is but ha- do you know what the nekomimi is not a clue okay so nekomimi is basically a headpiece that you can put on your head and it will sense your um brainwaves your brainwaves and it will move your ears. So if you're depressed, then it will move the ears to, you know, back, you know, back on your head. Or if you're curious or you're thinking about something, then it will perk the ears up. Or if there's no activity, then they'll do something else. I, I don't know. But it, it just basically reads your brainwaves. The I, tell it's, the The one that they have coming out or that he was looking up is that it's a tell that does pretty much the same thing.
3: Nah,
2: as the ears.
0: So. Yep, and it looks like it did not meet its Kickstarter. That's why it didn't come out.
2: Yep. Aw, I know.
0: I would have wanted the tail more than the ears because I have a pair of but because I don't have a beautiful head of hair, um, it looks really weird. Um, uh, but <laughs> if I had a beautiful head of hair, it would probably be How much were they off? What do you mean? I don't know. Oh, like fifty thousand pounds.
2: Oh, that's
0: so, a lot. So yeah. Um uh, the point of it this is, is you're not weird coddle so don't worry about it enjoy your tail all of it i think that's it for the mailbag this time
2: it is zip it back up
0: okay next button
2: housekeeping no housekeeping We've now reached the end of the show where we have to mention to you, ah, that we are mentioning to you about commenting on our show site. Wow, that is going all over the place. And
0: why do we want people to do that?
2: We want you to comment on the show site so that we can actually think that people actually listen to us. <laughs> That's even worse than our normal reason. I like it.
0: I like it. Lee, when you go to a site and there's no comments on it, do you tend to want to go back to that site? Um, uh, not,
3: not so much. It seems like a, it seems like the sites with the comments have more interesting content. Th- thought-provoking content.
0: See, you heard it from a lawyer.:
3: <laughs> That being said, never read the comment, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we get a
0: good, we actually have a good commenter group, so keep okay, it.. E..:
2: Please. Please. So also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook and other things
0: yep i i uh words i (laughs) and words i work on responding to tweets a lot rue manages the facebook and we occasionally trade uh meaning rue does twitter sometimes and it's a lot of fun but you can keep up with us between shows
2: also thank you so much lee for coming out and we wow I am failing at this today. Thank you for coming out. Here, there's a genuine response. I like being anal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, yes, I like being anal. Okay, all right. Everybody gets it. Thank you for coming, Leah. <laughs> I mean, Lee. Leo. Uh, sorry, Happy we've been be talking about Leo the Lion the whole entire episode.
0: Lee, we want you to plug yourself. Is there anything that you would like to do, anything you'd like to plug? I know that you can't actually plug what you do for your day job, but... Um, Say something cool, or maybe does your wife have something you can plug? Oh, uh, no, I'm not you know. If you ever, <laughs> no, not really. I wish I. Do you like bacon? Do you want to plug bacon?
3: Oh, bacon is great. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm 100% pro bacon. <laughs> All right.
2: Pro bacon, that's always good. Do you like bacon and pancakes?
0: absolutely yes
2: they're good together oh
0: i know they're so good so good
2: well so we also want to thank Firebreath for his wonderful introduction and all the work that he does for us
0: and although Corey's not with us for doing all the little itty bitty fiddly bits of the show that we just don't have the time to do so he's we love them both
2: so we have a big announcement what is it tugs
0: Sorry, I gotta get the drums. We have a very important show coming up. Not important. We have a very big show coming up. In two episodes time, in studio, we will be sitting for a full episode with the one, the only Margaret Cho.
2: What? Yes. Are you serious, Tug? Yes.
0: So the three people in the furry fandom who know who she is... We should really work on increasing this number to four. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we are going to have her in studio. We're going to ask her questions about giving back to the community. We're going to ask her about how hard it is to actually be a funny person. And we really want you to participate. So... Start thinking about what you want to say to her, if she's made a difference in your life, if you have a question, anything. If you really want to confess your undying love for her, we might not read that on the air, (laughs) but we will give it to her. Um, You've heard her on the show. She's done her eye dance, but she's coming in. It's time for her to pay back us appearing on her show. So,
2: That'll be awesome. Yes. I'm so excited. I am very excited for this. It's going to be uh, like another (laughs) wrap (laughs) without I can totally see her just taking it over. She'll do awesome.
0: She will do great. So the Ursa Major Awards are a People's Choice Award. You can nominate anything in the fandom that produces any kind of media for the award. And then once the nomination period is closed, people go in and vote. If you feel this show or any other media that has influenced you in the fandom is worthy of this award, you can register now. It's free. And then issue a nomination. So we encourage you to do so. It makes a difference a big difference
2: it does for for the fandom as a whole um definitely i mean there's some there's some great things that have came out, like if you have a favorite movie, um you know there's there's been lots of awards that have been given out to like we don't want my little pony to win it again five I years like in a DC. row <laughs> but um, nominations are going to be close closing.
0: Uh, uh,
2: I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking.
0: Yeah, you need to use a computer.
2: Da, da 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 da. Stuff. It's on the left. It's on the left side. Oh, nominations are open from January 14th to February 29th.
0: So you've got a good chunk of time left, but don't waste time.
2: And then after that, voting is uh, begins March 15th.
0: Yes, make sure you cast a vote for a podcast that doesn't go out the same year. Meanwhile, let's get the last thing out, which is the episode announcement for the next episode, which is not the Margaret Show episode. The next episode is going to be about...
2: Grieving and loss.
0: Have you lost something in your life? I have. Good. Now let's talk about the real topic. Have you (laughs) lost someone in your life?
2: Yes. Well, someone, something. Grieving and loss. It's grieving and loss.
0: Yep. And we will have a new segment for you, too.
2: So we want to hear, um, you know, like you said, anything that you've lost or, you know, a shout out that you want to give out to somebody. Um, You know, how did you deal with the the grieving and the grieving process? Um, What you think would help for other people to hear?
0: What are you doing, Lee? Are you grocery shopping with us? No! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we go, because, you know, you do it this way. For what it's worth, it's copyright. For what it's worth, don't steal our shit or We'll kick your ass. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, uh, this has been Rue.
0: This is Tugs. Say your name.
2: And this is Lee. And this has been For, For What, what it's, it's Worth. worth.
0: Oh good oh yes Rue explain what's going to happen now
2: so you were supposed to say it with us even though we didn't cue it with you and talk to you about this beforehand so please say the show name
0: okay for what it's worth
2: yay (laughs) (laughs) that was
4: anticlimactic